One of my favorite records of last year was Gone Now by Bleachers. And you know, I've, I've been a fan of Bleachers frontman Jack Antonoff for a long time. Uh, before he started the band, before he started uh, Fun, uh, which catapulted him to fame, I absolutely loved his first band, Steel Train. So it's been interesting to see him go from a, a small, folky act on a punk label to being a legitimate top 40 songwriter working with, uh, with Taylor Swift and Lord. When you hear someone playing pensive indie folk, sure, you might think, oh man, they're going to be huge someday, but that usually means huge in a very specific arena. It doesn't mean co-writing songs with people who sell out arenas, and stadiums for that matter. In fact, that's something Jack and I discussed during this conversation, uh, which took place when Bleachers was right up the road in Indianapolis. But before we got into that, or how important it is to believe in yourself when no one else will, we started off talking about how on Gone Now, unlike 2014's Strange Desire, there ended up being more more live things happening. Was that a like was that a something you tried to do on purpose? No, it. it I mean, I liked the idea of it. But it, it didn't, it, nothing, it, it wasn't intentional. It was just sort of uh, at different stages you start, you find yourself gravitating towards different sounds. So some things that would really excite me when I was making the last album excited me less and new things excited me. And those happened to be more live drums, more acoustic guitars, things like that. So in a sense though, like not necessarily n- like new because it was stuff you were doing like before Bleach, you know, like. More organic sounds. Like, it's yeah, not like you'd never done that before. You know you what I mean? You go in waves. Yeah. You know, it's like you go, it's, and it's like weird combinations of things. Like, on the first album, I was messing around with a lot of voice samples and spoken word stuff with, like, these, like, program drums, and I still loved that on this album, but I was wanted to hear it, like, what did that sound like if it actually felt like you're in the room? A lot of room sound. I even, like, set up these two mics in my studio that were just sort of capturing the room, and I would use a lot of recordings that I would just make in the room where things weren't even close mic so it just felt like you were there. I think that's part of the excitement of making an album is you just sort of, you start to mess around and then one day messing around turns into like a, a palette. How long, like how long were you messing around before you thought like, oh, maybe this is what the record is going to be? Uh, months. Okay. So it was, a, it was, a, it was a minute then. Yeah. And you don't, and you don't make plans until you ha- ha- start to hear something that, is something you want to put out. You can mess around your whole life. Sure. You well, know, so. But I mean, like I know some people, it's like time to write the record. Yeah. I never do all that with that. And and it took me a long time. I mean, I think that like, you know, if, 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 if you could just write it out and putting all creativity aside, it probably, you know, people wanted the album to come out sooner. Um, but it wasn't, you know, releasing something is a privilege. You know, you don't have to release music. You don't, you don't, you don't yeah. have to, you, you should release something if you have something worth releasing. So I, when I was making this album, I was really intent on like, until I hear something that sounds like the next phase of this, then I'll just keep, uh, chipping away. So what about like the thematics of the record? Cause I know, you know, there's a lot about a lot of, a lot, a lot of introspection, a lot about the past. Well, I wanted to like move on, like, like, you know, and so I thought like, you know, instead of like sort of wallowing in in the past, like I had done on other albums, which is a big part of where I was, I wanted to really con- confront it. I think that's what made it a heavy album is not just sort of talk about what happened, but like, here's what happened. Here's how it screwed me up. And here's how I'm going to try to push forward. There's some tracks on there that are like almost um, apologizing to the people, my loved ones, for, you know, for the ways that I became complicated. 
So I just wanted to like really take a harsh look at a lot of those things and like put a real stamp on this moment in my life. Now, when you say complicate, what do you, what do you mean by that? Cause that can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, stuff I've been through, but also just like, honestly, a lot of it's even just writing, like choosing to, to share all this stuff for so many years. Like I'm not the best person when I'm writing, mm-hmm. um, because I'm putting so much into it that it kind of leaves like vapors for, for everything else. So I think that I'm like the best person, maybe when I'm like more like now, like I'm, I'm done writing something and I'm on tour and I, I might not be there, but I can sort of be present for people. But when I'm writing, I really get like very removed and I've been doing it for so long that, um, I, I actually started to write about the experience of writing in some ways. How, yeah, how long have you been? Like, when did you, how old were you? When you started 15, so you know, 33, I've been writing a long, long time and, and at all different phases kind of never goes away because if you're, if you're always, you go in and out of writing, like hardcore writing phases, like, you know, five months ago, it was like every day I was like finding the album. And, but now it's like, if you're just like someone who writes and you're in that general phase of writing your life, you're always searching for it. I had an idea this morning. So you're always searching for it. So it feels like there's always part of your mind that's not with everyone else. Cause you're just like humming something. So, so like when you're in, like when you're in the middle of really, really writing something, like almost none of you. Yeah. That gets really intense. Then I'm like literally gone. And so then it's like how much, how much, what, what percentage, and that's like a real weird hard thing to say, but like right now in your everyday life, like what percentage of you is somewhere else thinking about the songs? 10%, 15%, but that's like as small as it gets. So never less than that. Usually, no, well, like, which maybe at some point it'll change, but <clears throat> past decade of my life has kind of been that way of like <coughs> always looking for a song. I mean, d- when did that start? Like, I mean, d- cause that doesn't just happen when you're 15 and you're like, I want to write some music. No, uh, I started probably like early twenties when I started to get really serious about it. When I felt like I could really figure out a way to, to do it and do it right. Because you try a lot of things in your life and then some things you try and, and some things you try and you get better and better and better. I like playing baseball, but I never got better. You know, I got more capable, but I was, sure. there wasn't going to be that. And then I think at some point in my songwriting, forget what anyone else thinks. I, I started to feel like I was really, um, doing something that made me, that made me feel vibrant. When was that? Do you know? Right around like 20. Okay. I always liked doing it. And then I started doing it more and more. And then, and I started really really started to feel like a part of me and then you started to get more devoted to it all my time is in rock is i live in a dream where she can be free i set myself to the side and i'll watch as the lives pass as i sleep oh it doesn't mean i can't believe i mean at that point when you're 20 you're like i'm i'm pretty good at this i feel good doing this i want to do this more did you like were you thinking this is like, this is a potential career path at that point? Or was it just, I want to do this more? It was always what I wanted to do forever, but I never used the term career in my head. Cause I always thought you had to make money in some way to use that <laughs> word. But, um, I kind of, I always think, I always say this whenever, cause I have so little advice to get, but when people ask me and they're like to tour to write and I'm, and I'm like, we well, just got to buy the delusion. You have to buy it for anyone else. Otherwise you won't, you know, you don't buy your own delusion. You won't make space for yourself to write and play. I mean, to be a a writer and a performer, you get told to stop all the time. Go out and play a show. No one comes. You don't get paid. You can't fill the tank with gas. The universe is saying, stop. 
And you have to be the one that's like, no, I'm not going to stop. So it's not like other professions where you kind of move, you know, any, not music, but anything that's artistic or you're passionate about, you have to buy the delusion. You know, you're not building a table, right? You can see it coming together. Sometimes it's not there at all. Sometimes it's all there. Um, So I always just sort of hung on that. What, I mean, at what point did you realize maybe some other people we're starting to to buy the, or maybe, maybe it was it was less of a delusion. I'll put it that way. Well, it's kind of a delusion until it's not. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like yeah. when when was that the case, or or do you sometimes still feel like, you know, sometimes you still feel like oh. I think I'll always partly feel like there's a little, you know, because it's 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 conversational, it's social, right? This doesn't exist without the people who take it in. Songs exist, but they exist in a bigger way when people hear them and react to them and come to the show and it's a whole thing. You know, imagine, you know, Neil Young, if no one was listening, it wouldn't, it just, it's, it's, it, it, it is about everyone. That's, that's the nature of what this is. Um, so, you know, towards the end of Steel Train, there'd be moments where I'd be like, okay, we're starting to make sense here or there, but it was always like fluctuating. It was never like really moving. Like we'd have a great show here and then we'd go back and not, you know, half as many people would come. It, it doesn't, it, it never grew in like some steady way. Um, but then when fun had a lot of success, that was pretty tangible. Um, it was hard to, it was hard to be self-deprecating about, you know, if you're like, you know, and so, but then you, then you started over with bleachers and you kind of start a new delusion. And, and then that too, that was like seeing that become tangible is uh, an amazing thing, but there's always both you could, you know, tonight sold out. There's still a part of me that's like, but is everyone going to come? Like, you know, like I think, I think if you, if you've played lots of shows to not a lot of people that lives with you. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a certain, it's like, if you've ever been broke, I don't necessarily mean poor, but if you've ever just been broke yeah. for an extended stretch, it's like just about any time you get money, you're like, oh, I get money. Yeah, totally. You can't, those formative, you, 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 don't, you can't lose it and you shouldn't. I think it's good. I think it's good to hang on to like how you felt before everything made sense. Well, so with fun though, like you, like when fun hit, it was fast and it was big. Cause you know, I, I had that first, the first record, um, Andrew gave that to me. Like, I thought the first record was big. I, well, I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, it wow, was, this is yeah. great. And yeah, I, that was, that was actually the first, yeah. Cause we did, that did well. A couple hundred people started coming, seeing us. Yeah. And like, I thought, cool, this is good. These guys will be able to have a career. And then like, it just went, it got know? real crazy. That wasn't something that people are always like, oh, I didn't anticipate that. And you're like, both but that I really not anticipate. Because that was, I had let go of, not even let go. I didn't even know if I had any aspirations or that kind of thing. I always saw it like Spoon and Wilco and it's those kind of bands. It's funny you said because I was like, I assume Fun would be like a, the next Spoon. That's yeah. like, you're the band that's like third, like second, third line on the festival. You know Yeah, I mean? like just have a real great career. You make records, you have your fans, you play shows, people come people give a that was my only hope it's still my only hope i mean that's still everything to me um but so that was a weird experience to 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 see how many people you can actually reach
My guest today is Jack Antonoff from Bleachers, his current band, uh, Steel Train, his first band, and Fun, which was kind of one of the biggest acts around for a bit. You guys were on Top 40 Radio. Like, that's a long way from drive-thru records. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long way from, from, it's a long way from all of my markers of what I thought success was. Because everything before that, all my markers of success was always some version of indie success, which I didn't realize until that happened. Yeah, you didn't know that, the, like... I just thought it was success. Right. <laughs> now I look at it and I realize, oh, that's, that was my version of it at the time because I just abandoned the idea that anything I ever did could be on the radio. Yeah, well, and I mean, like, I guess that's the crazy thing is, like, I never would have guessed that that would have happened either. Like, seeing it at the beginning stages, you know, especially, like, the first tour. I don't, I don't even think you went on tour with them because it was, like... Steel Train in the first tour. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I got a real band. This is... This is a fun thing sometimes, I guess. But like, so that's a big marker of success. You're playing like giant shows, you know, uh, Grammy not. There were like Grammy stuff. Yeah. Because we're on SNL. Yeah, all those like, you know, like call me when you get a Grammy. You know, like, yeah. what are you, a rocket scientist? All those kind of like cliches, we kind of hit them. But then like you go from that to like writing with some of the like most important people in the industry too. When everything happened with fun, it opened... Uh, I always wanted to collaborate with people and I never had any space to do it. So when fun had success, you know, publishers, publishers and producers and people like that would be like, you know, like if you ever want to come try and write, it wasn't like you could just walk in any room. Sure. Um, but that started to become a thing. So I wanted to look at it and I did, I did a few things and some of it I loved and some of it I hated. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my manager where I was like, there's a piece of this I really love. I'd like to focus on that. And then there's other parts that I never want to do again. Like what? What was that? I did like a Rihanna writing camp once. And there was like 40 people oh, there. Yeah. And there was like a reference song. I was just like, and that's cool. I've no, I'm not knocking it, but that's not what I do. But then I'd have other experiences like early on before like Carly Rae Jepsen had put an album out and I love her a lot. Like we got in a room together and wrote a song. And I liked the idea of like getting in a room with someone and writing a song. Someone I, you know, one plus one could equal a million. Doing something that wasn't just the solitude of writing that I had been so accustomed to. So that kind of happened really like oddly or organically where I just liked doing that and I didn't have a chip on my shoulder about mainstream because fun success didn't come in a compromise so my biggest song wasn't one I hated so when I would go work with other artists I wasn't cynical I was, two things A I wasn't cynical and B I didn't believe because of my personal experience that something had to be stupid to work so I got very um uh, invigorated with that in mind and I think that that is sort of the story of that, that whole side of things I still think that That's, that's really interesting to me because I know that not like every songwriter that writes, you know, big pop songs and does those songwriting camps or what, they're not all like jaded. No. But usually there's a certain amount of... But there's rules that they feed you in there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, and those and people are like, those people are just like, well, that's what you have to do, you know? Yeah. 
because they've been through the ringer. They've been through the system. Every, like the hits that they've had in that sense have been specifically, like you said, there was no compromise for what you were doing, but like those, I realize how lucky I am to come up like that. It's not lost on me. Like the great luck that lightning, you know, in a bottle would happen like that. I mean, bands don't get big on radio songs that sound like fun. Don't get big on radio, but it's, but that is that, that experience just that that's, that's all I'm interested in now though, is something that I actually want to do. And it's, and it's, so when I do things with other people, it's like, that's the only thing we're working towards. And so I like the idea of bringing that energy to other artists and, and my projects too. Like, I don't know. I just don't think you have to assume it's all crap. I don't, yeah. I don't think you have to assume people are stupid. See, I guess what it is for me thinking about that is like, I guess it, like thinking about songwriters that, end up doing, you know, what you did. I guess what I'm thinking is like most of those people don't then go on to collaborate with other people, like as a more behind the scenes songwriter, you know what I mean? Like those people usually just have their career and they write their songs for themselves. And so that's what I think is really. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I talk about it sometimes because I, sometimes if I Google myself, which I don't do too much, I'll, one thing I'll notice people are generally pretty nice to me, but I'll notice that there's this, people have a hard time contextualizing what it is, how to figure it out. Like, is it this, is it that, is it this band, is he a producer? Like, you know what I mean? And um, one thing that I'm focused on doing is just to, con- is just to keep doing, just to do the things that, that I, I set out to do, you know, and, and, and not compromise anywhere. Um, so sometimes I feel like a little bit of pressure to, to be like, well, what is it? What do you, you know, which, which side are you going to jump on? And, and I get a little bit uh, like giddy thinking of just like, well, I'm just going to keep doing this. <laughs> How does, so I guess it's, it's sort of two things. Like, you know, you're doing a lot of collaboration. You've been doing all that since the first Bleachers record. Like, how do you get back into a, I'm writing these songs for me mode? It's pretty natural. I don't, it's, uh, it's most of the time. Most of my time I spend on Bleachers. Okay. So most of the time is just me alone writing. Bleachers or, or Bleachers slash my writing is a, it's a very lonely process. That's the way I access a lot of these things is the way I face a lot of these things. So it's just, if I'm in a, alone in a room, I'm basically just writing my songs. And if there's anyone else there, it's a totally separate thing. That space is automatically broken. So it's not really very possible with few exceptions here or there. It's not possible for me to really get something that would ever be a bleacher song if I'm not alone. So you say it's a really lonely process Sometimes not I in can, a bad way. Well, the, but no, but I mean, sometimes that can just mean no one else is around. Yeah, I don't mean, I, I, after, as I use that word, I realized how, I just literally mean I'm alone. Well, I, it's well, lonely, I, but not in like a sad way. It's just lonely. Like I'm very, when I say lonely, I mean like I'm aware of how alone I am. Sure. Well, how does that feel then when you're doing like what you did with this record thematically? Like you said, like facing these things, really reckoning with yourself because, you know, that's something that a lot of people like need help <laughs> Do, do, you know what I mean? Uh, I do it better when I'm alone. I know everyone's totally different. Sure. I have less to say when I'm with people, especially groups of people. When I'm alone, I can really sit there and pick it apart. And also with producing and, and the way I write and the way I sing and all these things, I like to have this like space to really go to like a weird place and then come all the way back. You know, there's certain things I would like do with my voice or words that I would say that I don't know if I'd be able to say if someone else was in the room. And maybe they don't work, but they give me an idea for something else. It's like a, it's like a, this weird loop. So I want to be in this space where I'm not like, I don't feel anyone's gaze on me or anything. Yeah. I mean that, especially when you put it that way, 
Like when there's no one looking over your shoulder. Yeah. And I'm not performing for anyone. Yeah. I'll perform later. You know, the show I'm happy to, I'm thrilled to perform with and for people. Um, but when I'm writing the record, I just want it to like sound like me. So I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be like a performative version of me. Yeah. That's the thing that, um, like, cause I know some people don't have that problem. They can just go in and bust something out in front of a dozen people. No, I've never been that way. I've always been jealous of those people. <laughs> well, have you like, was there ever a time where you tried to be that way or have you always just been yeah, like, no, I, I mean, know that's I not I can me. like write a song, but. But, but I mean like when you're trying to do you, you know. Not really. I get pretty, it's like, it's there. Or the door is open or it's closed. It's not like, you know, so like I'm either in a place where I could really write something or not. And if I'm in a room and I just really haven't found many opportunities where I've been with other people where I, I could really access it. Yeah. Where I could really, ac- really access something that a few days later I'm going to listen to and be like, yeah, that's, that's something that's something to work on. Cause anytime I've really tried at least for my stuff, it's like, I'll go back to it and I'll be like, it's just not what I'm looking for. I don't know why. So have you always been somebody who like needs a lot of alone time in like in general? I never identified it that way, but the more I think about it, maybe, you know, maybe. Cause I mean, clearly you need it for that specifically, but that doesn't necessarily mean you. I don't know. I, I've got from being on tour so much, I've just gotten so much mm. alone time that I don't, I don't know if I need it or not, but I know it's just a part of my life. Going through that process that you were talking about of like figuring all this stuff out, facing things, like how did how did it feel to come out on the other end of it? Or did you did you come? I mean, do you think? Yeah, you have? no, I did. Which is to me, that's releasing the album. You know, I wouldn't release it if I didn't come out because I think that an album is a beginning and an end. It marks a period of time. Maybe that period of time is a year. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's two years. Whatever it can be, it's it it documents a period of time in your life that you're writing it. So you have to know when it started and when it ended. That's a big thing that I've learned more and more. The, the more I've written is uh, to be able to stop. It's like this album is done. So I've told this story. So how did it feel to tell the story that 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 record told? Uh, great. I, you know, my body kind of fell apart when I was finished because you, it's like running a marathon or something. Um, but it's sort of like this, this phase I'm in right now where it's like this sort of like floating space of like, I got this thing out and now I get to celebrate it live. But then there's also this like daunting concept of like looking towards like wondering what the next story you're going to feel <laughs> the need to tell. Is there going to be one? What if there isn't? What if it's a really hard one to tell? You just, you just, every phase is a bit of a grass is greener sometimes when, they, when you look at the writing part of it. I would imagine it's especially scary when this record, like you said, is about just putting, uh, putting, a like closing the door on the past. Yeah. And it's like, well, if the past is gone, where do you go? <laughs> kind of, <laughs> but I like that. I like the finality of all that. Yeah, I know. I get it. But like, you'll want to write another record at some point. And yeah. But that's that, but that's just got to come to you. Anything it, I've does ever, it? yeah. Any, anything I've ever done came to me. Anything I ever wanted to do was something I wanted to do and never materialized. The good actually comes to you. 
was because I know some people that are just like, it's a, like a real like nine to five type endeavor where you go into another the type of person I'm jealous of, but I've never been. <laughs> Is that frustrating sometimes? I mean, yeah, have you ever just really wanted to be like, I need this today. Yeah. Cause there's no, you can't supposed to impact things. You can't make time and schedule it is frustrating and really gratifying when it works out. Um, but definitely, I think that's the why it, it's, it can drive you a little insane. Sure. But not a lot insane or maybe, maybe not. I'm okay right now. You know, we'll see. And now it's time for a guest DJ set from Bleacher's frontman, Jack Antonoff. First song I want to pick is uh, Magical Mystery Tour, which I think it's called, uh, I think it's just called Magical Mystery Tour. It's the first song on Magical Mystery Tour. It's like it's intro priest. Pull up, pull up for the Mystery Tour. Magical Mystery Tour is going to take you away. It is, it's an intro piece, but I think it's a insanely sort of forgotten Beatles song in a way. I think it's just unbelievable. And when, the chorus Paul sings the first two and John sings the last one and it's just such this emotional shift when you hear his voice come in The next song I want to choose is uh, Say My Name by Tuve Sterka. She's a new-ish Swedish pop singer. She's actually coming on tour with me. Um, I love this song. I think this song is just like when someone just gets it right on a pop song, everything just makes sense. You say you ain't the one to jump in our relation And I don't mind but when we touch a celebration Up, 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 up Up, 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 up you speak my lingo, we don't need no translation. I never need a break, cause we feel like vacation. So simple, so good, and so hard to do because of it. And so rarely do songs make, make me feel this way. The song makes me feel really good. Next song I want to choose is um, Erasure's cover of Video Killed the Radio Star. And I actually asked uh, Vince Clark, who had worked on the Bleachers album a little bit, he was in Erasure. I asked him about it. He said they used like the old Apple like talking program. It's not a vocoder. But this version, I mean, it's a classic song, but this version sounds so cool. So it still sounds like the future. This is my favorite cover remix anything of all time is their version of Video Killed the Radio Star.
And last song I'll choose is uh, TLC Unpretty. Just a flawless song. Completely captures everything I think about when I write, which is like you could dance or you could cry. Choose your own ending. You want to list, you want to lie in bed and cry to these lyrics or do you want to get in a Jeep with your friends and fly down the highway? It's, uh, it's just that thing. It's that thing. It's how did they do it? So simple, but I couldn't think of it, you know? Thanks for taking some time yeah, to do this. Yeah, wonderful to talk. Uh, it's unbecoming of a gentleman to gush too much, so I'll just say that I'm a fan of all of your work. Thanks um, for being there for all of it. Yeah, no problem, dude. It's starting to pile up at this point, so thanks for uh, hanging around. Looks <laughs> like it's time for the birthday cake. Is it here? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Well, that's all we've got for you this week here on The Guest List from Louisville Public Media. Stacey Owen is our executive director. Kojin Tashiro is our technical director. And we get special assistance from Margaret Darling. You can find everything we have to offer on our website, guestlist.wfpk.org. I'm your host and producer, Sean Cannon. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Sean Cannon. And you can find these Mother of Pearl coveralls one place only. It's Red Cap. I'll see you next week. Steer into it. Mm-hmm.